Thank you guys for being here again. I know I say that every Sunday, don't I? Uh, I know I say that every week, and I really am grateful that you're here for worship, but I want you to know something. I don't just want you to come to worship each week because you want to. I hope that you're here because you need to be here. I hope that you experience that desire and that need, that it's more than just a want. uh, Because as we grow closer to the Lord, as we're growing in our faith, as we're growing in the knowledge of his word, I believe it creates more hunger and more of a craving. So I hope that on Sunday mornings you wake up and this is where you need to be, not just where you want to be or not just where you come because you think you're supposed to be. This morning, we're going to start a new series of messages, and we are going to look at perhaps the most well-known passage of Scripture in all of the Bible. Uh, Dr. Steve Farrar has said that Psalm 23 is the most dangerous psalm in the Bible. And you may think that sounds strange. Why would he say that it's the most dangerous psalm? The reason it's the most dangerous psalm is because everyone knows it. If you think about that for a moment, other than John 3.16, it seems that everyone knows or is familiar with Psalm 23. It doesn't matter whether you're a believer, active in the church, or whether you're a non-believer who's never stepped foot in a church. You've heard Psalm 23, you're familiar with it on some level. And so we are going to walk through it over the next few weeks, and we are going to go very slowly. As a matter of fact, we're not even going to get out of verse 1 this morning, okay? So we are going to take it all in, and it's very important that we understand what we're reading when we read the Psalms. Uh, Just like we've talked before about what the purpose of the Proverbs are and and, um, the purpose of the Psalms, the Psalms are musical. And I don't know that we really always realize that as we're reading the Psalms, but they're written to be musical pieces of worship. They're written to be songs. They were sung. Uh, they, are, they are not only meant to be read and studied for doctrine. The Psalms are different. They're special. They are meant to move us. They're meant to, um, to awaken us and, and emotionally encounter the truths of God. Um, you guys know how much I love good music. I talk about music all the time. I make references to music all the time just because it's something that I deeply love. And one of the things I love most about music, and I say this often, is that it gives us a way to express things that we don't know how to express. And you know how that feels. You may hear a song in worship in church. You may hear a song on the radio. And it connects with you in a really special way because it communicates something that you feel. It communicates something that your heart is experiencing. But you would have never been able to put it into those words the way that songwriter has done. And so that's what makes our favorite songs. And it's, it's, a, it's a special thing when we, when we can encounter music that way. Songs and music connect with people on a heart level like, like no other thing can. 
And so when we read the Psalms, the Psalms contain um, emotion. And they contain all sorts of human emotions. They run the gamut if you read all of the songs. Some of the songs are celebratory. Some of them are mournful. Some of them are hopeful. Some of them are full of despair. But what makes the Psalms different from the songs we sing in church, or what makes the Psalms different from the songs that we may hear on the radio, is that the Psalms are inspired by the Holy Spirit of God as inerrant Scripture. And it's an amazing thing how God can take the heart and the emotions of the psalmist and have them pen such an artistically beautiful piece of Scripture and yet at the same time be inspiring biblical truth and inerrancy, divine inspiration. Um, and, th- and it's different than songs that we sing, songs that we hear, because you'll often hear songwriters talk about the inspiration for their music, right? If you, if you hear some, a songwriter talk about a song that they've written and say, well, I was inspired by this, or, or this was the inspiration. Well, yeah, there, there's a way that we use that word inspiration, but I want you to understand when we say that the scriptures are inspired, that means that they are, they are God-breathed. They are out of the mouth of God. And so these songs are not inspired like worship leaders write songs or like country music singers write songs. It, 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 it's, it, it's completely different. And so, so these songs are not just pieces of art, but they're pieces of revelation about God. And we can learn from them. And so they, they reveal truth to us. Um, Steve Farrar also has said that he feels that Psalm 23 is like a cliff note for the entire Christian life. And some of you got, who knows what cliff notes are? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right, anybody probably under the age of 20, 25 probably doesn't have a clue what a cliff note is. It, it's those books that you could go to your college bookstore or go to the bookstore and buy when you were supposed to read this book but you don't want to read this book for school, so you go get the cliff notes, which is like this many pages, and it summarizes it for you. And so he, Steve Farrar says he feels like Psalm 23 is like a cliff note for the entire Christian life. Um, it only has six verses, but each one is so deep and so meaningful. And so um, I want us to look at the verse 1 together this morning, and you probably don't even have to open your Bible. Uh, to go to it in your mind. But Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We're using the New King James Version this morning just because um, it, it tends to ring familiar with most of us in the way we hear Psalm 23. Now most of us know that the writer of Psalm 23 is who? David. It's King David, that's right. And um, As we read about David's early years, we know that David was a shepherd. When we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house, uh, commissioned by God to go and anoint uh, one of his sons as the new king of Israel, uh, Jesse didn't even consider David because he was the youngest, he was the smallest. And when, when Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Jesse said, well, I have one more, 
David, but he's out in the field doing what? Taking care of the sheep. That was his job. That's what he did. And so it makes sense that David would write a psalm of worship that was expressed through his knowledge and his experience of shepherding sheep. Because David not only knew what it took to be a shepherd, but he also knew very well what the needs of sheep were. He not only knew about being a shepherd, but he also knew a whole lot about sheep. And so verse 1 is the theme of the entire psalm. It's like the, the introduction that, that summarizes what the entire psalm is about. The first thing David says is, the Lord is my shepherd. So David from the very beginning is, is identifying himself and he's identifying God in this psalm. So God, if God is his shepherd, then what does that make David? That makes David a sheep. Okay, So Psalm 23 is written from the perspective of a sheep, not the perspective of a shepherd. Okay, So it, it's, it, David, being a shepherd, it would have been easy for him to write a psalm from the perspective of a shepherd. But he decides not to do that. Psalm 23 isn't written from the perspective of the shepherd. It's written from the perspective of the sheep. You know that over 200 times in Scripture, the Bible calls us sheep. Very often and very frequently. And I want us this morning just very briefly to think about sheep for a minute. If, if the Bible calls us sheep over 200 times and Psalm 23 is written from the perspective of a sheep, we should probably think about some characteristics of a sheep, Right? So we're going to talk about there are three distinct characteristics. If you study sheep as animals, there are three characteristics. The first one is this. Sheep are dumb. (laughs) Sheep are dumb. They are dumb animals. This is the outstanding characteristic of sheep. In all of the animal kingdom, sheep are some of the least intelligent animals. That God has created. And, and think about it for a minute. Last time, when's the last time you went to a circus? You remember like Ringling Brothers or you go to a circus somewhere? You can go to a circus and you can see lots of trained animals. Every circus has trained animal acts, right? So we can see all sorts of trained animals. There are trained seals. There are trained tigers. You can go um, to Vegas and she, see shows like this. Trained tigers, trained elephants. Trained lions, trained monkeys, horses, bears. Has anybody ever seen a trained sheep? You haven't. There you go. There you go. I was actually waiting on that. I trained that sheep to do that. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um You've never seen a trained sheep in a circus or in a show. Why? Because they're dumb. You can't train a sheep like that. Sheep are dumb, and the Bible, over 200 times, calls us sheep. 
What's the connection there? <laughs> Think about it. Think about your life. Think about things that you've, you've done over your whole life. You don't even have to think over your whole life. Think about the past week. How many dumb things you've done. How many stupid things you've done. Stupid things that you've said. I, I have a list. I actually went to Kim last night as I was finishing my preparation and said, Hey, what's something stupid that I've done this week? And her immediate response was, uh, Do you want a list? Or do you just want one thing? Um, I, um, I, I think back to our, our high school days, and, and I'm so grateful that the Lord ended up putting us together any, anyway through his sovereign will. Um, but I actually had the opportunity when we were seniors in high school to go to our senior prom with Kim, and I didn't. I didn't even ask her. And there was one particular point where we were face-to-face with one another, and she, I knew she didn't have a date, and she actually asked me, well, what are you doing for prom? Are you taking anybody to the prom? <laughs> and my answer was, no, I'm doing something else. I'm not even going to prom. Like, hello, McFly. Uh, uh, that, 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 that was uh, one of those dumb, stupid moments um, I think about another one is when um, uh, I went to the grocery store once, and uh, Kim sent me to the store. If I don't know if you guys are like me, but I, when I go to the store, I have 10,000 questions when I go to the grocery store for Kim. She can't just say, get, get green beans. Well, my questions are, well, what brand of green beans do you want? How big of a can am I supposed to get? How many cans am I supposed to get? Which kind of cut am I supposed to get? Because if I get the wrong thing... It's going to be bad if, when I get home. So I want to make sure, it's not that bad, but I, it's going to be bad. So I want to make sure I get the right thing. So I'm asking a thousand questions. One time I went to the store and she says, I need some grated cheese. I'm like, okay, grated cheese, I can do that. So I'm going through the store and I get to the aisle with the refrigerator thing with all the bags of cheese in it. And I look and look and there isn't, there's, there's no grated cheese. So I call her and I'm like, um what do you want me to get because there's no grated cheese here. They don't have any. And she says, really? Are you serious? There's no grated cheese at all? And I said, no, there's not, a, there's not a single bag of grated cheese. She said, well, what kind of cheese do they have? I said, well, there's all kinds of bags of shredded cheese. <laughs> but there's not, I've looked through them all. There's not a single bag of grated cheese. Now I know what she's talking about. So, when we realize um, just how foolish we are, and when we think of the spiritual choices we make in our life, the things that, those, the, the cheese, that's, that's a silly story that really doesn't amount to anything, but when we think about the foolishness in our lives when it comes to spiritual choices, moral choices that we make, we can very easily just be completely out of our minds sometimes. Just make the most foolish, crazy, dumb decisions. Even when we know what we're supposed to do, even when we know what the right thing to do is, for some reason we still don't do it. Paul even identified with that. 
But when we realize how foolish we are as people and as many dumb choices as we make, we should realize that we need a shepherd, right? Amen? We need a shepherd. We need someone desperately to lead us through this life. First of all, because we are dumb. Number two, sheep are not just dumb. Sheep are dirty. Sheep are dirty animals. They are dirty creatures. In Israel, there's not a lot of rainfall in this region. So um, when sheep would graze a pasture, it would very quickly go from green to brown. Uh, Very quickly. Uh, Grass would die off. And as it went to brown and as they grazed and began to eat all of the grass, it would leave lots of dirt. And so as the sheep would graze... The dirt and the dust would get stirred up and it gets caught up and matted in their thick wool coats, right? And it's even possible for bugs and maggots and things like that to make nests in the wool of the sheep because of how filthy it is. And there's nothing a sheep can do to clean themselves up. Even... How many of you have cats in your house? What do you see your cats doing all the time? Like looking, cleaning, bathing themselves, that sort of thing. Like many animals have that kind of mechanism. They, they have a, they're self-cleaning in some ways, but it's not sheep. They have, they have no way to clean themselves up. We, in the same way, are dirty people. We have dirty thoughts. We say dirty things, we do dirty things. And I, I, when I say dirty, I don't just mean like, you know, the forbidden things or, or sometimes we think dirty, we think like sexual. That's, that's not just what I'm talking about. I'm talking about dirty as in sinful because sin makes us unclean before the Lord. Sin makes us dirty. If you look at Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6, it says this, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Even when we do everything we can to not get dirty, we're still filthy. Scripture says in our best righteousness, the best righteousness that we can come up with on our own, we still, in comparison to God, are filthy rags. Any good thing that we can come up with on our own, we are dirty. It doesn't mean also that as Christians, and sometimes we get this perspective that once we become Christians, we stop being dirty no, we, we, and, and we never get dirty again, or we stop sinning when we become Christians. And that's not true either. But the difference is, being a Christian doesn't mean that we never get dirty and we never sin anymore. Being a Christian means that we don't have to depend on ourselves to clean ourselves up anymore when, when we get dirty. Look at First um, John chapter 1. Verses 8 through 10. This is written to believers. And John says, if, you say, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from most of our unrighteousness. Is that what? Oh, 
Thank you. It doesn't say that he'll cleanse us from most of it. It says that he cleanses us from all of it. And then again in verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It's very clear. We are sinful people. But we have a shepherd who is faithful and just to forgive us, to clean us when we can't clean ourselves. The shepherd cleans the dirt off the sheep. He cleans the, the wool. He, he, he cleans his sheep. And as our shepherd, God has made a way for us to be made clean, not just of our past sin, but also the sin that we struggle with now and also all of our future sin. If you think about it, that may be hard to understand sometimes, but think about it. When Jesus died on the cross, that was over 2,000 years ago, right? How many of your sins were future sins when Jesus died for them? All of them, right? They're, they were all your future sins. So, so that tells us that he, he knows our sin and he's paid the penalty for it and he provides the cleansing from it when we couldn't do anything for ourselves, our dirty, rotten selves. We couldn't do anything and he has made a way for his blood to cleanse us. And that's, that's the gospel. So we can't make ourselves clean, but our shepherd can. Amen. You grateful for that? Here's the third thing. Sheep are not just dumb, they're not just dirty, but sheep are defenseless. They're defenseless. Most animals in the animal kingdom have some kind of a defense mechanism that will help them to ward off predators. Um, the tiger has claws, right? Sharp claws that he can fight an attacker with. Uh, bees and wasps have stingers. And when you go swatting at those things or trying to get it, they're going to they're gonna defend themselves. Um, even a skunk has a defense mechanism, right? Right? <laughs> um, its spray, is that, that's its way of defending itself, to protect itself. But what are sheep going to do? Bark? I mean, they can't even, they can't even bark. They, can't even, they don't even, like, make, like who's going to be intimidated by... <laughs> what kind of defense mechanism is there for sheep? They don't have... Anything, especially domesticated sheep, that a shepherd would be taking care of. They're, they're, not, they're not wild animals, they're domesticated. And so they, they don't have any natural built-in defense mechanism. Uh, there are even uh, accounts of, of birds, ravens and things like that, who will literally come out of the sky and land on the head of a sheep and, and just um, poke its eyeballs out. And that sounds, I know that sounds gross. But a sheep can't do anything to defend itself. Uh, it completely relies on the human protection of its shepherd. 
we want to be in control and we want to defend ourselves and, and we do everything we can to try to defend ourselves. We do have some sort of defense mechanisms against some things in our life, but there are some things that we are completely powerless against. When it comes to spiritual things, there are some things that are just stronger than we are, and it doesn't matter what we want to do or try to do to defend ourselves. The only thing a sheep can do to defend themselves is run, is run away. And there are some things that, that we can't defend ourselves from. The best we can do is to try to get away from it, but that doesn't even always work. There are things that want to prey on our lives, things that want to prey on our souls, and we can't defend ourselves unless we have a shepherd. Unless we have a shepherd who can take care of us. Look at uh, Psalm 27, verse 1. The psalmist says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We know that the Bible says, over 200 times it calls a sheep. Also, over a couple of hundred times, the Bible gives us the command, do not be afraid. Well, why would, it, why would the Bible tell us to not be afraid? Because if we are believers, there's no need to be afraid because we have a shepherd and part of the shepherd's job is to defend and care for his sheep. He defends the sheep against enemies that the sheep can't defend themselves against. And God promises to do the same thing for his children who are his sheep. And God, um, and David's going to talk about that later in this psalm as we continue to study it. But sheep are dumb, sheep are dirty, and sheep are defenseless. And again, the Bible calls us sheep. So we desperately need a shepherd, right? Listen to what Jesus said in John 10, 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So this brings us to a really important question. If all of us are dumb, dirty, defenseless sheep and we are in desperate need of a shepherd and Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, how do we know if he is our shepherd? How do we know that Jesus is our shepherd? How do we know that we are his sheep? If we go down just a little bit further in that chapter... And look at verses 27 and 28. Jesus uses this illustration again and says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they what? Follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Again, in this day and culture, water was scarce in the region. There wasn't an abundance of water everywhere. And so when a shepherd would find a place to water his sheep, 
uh, it, was, it wasn't uncommon for there to be another shepherd there who had his own sheep. And so you may have one source of water, and you probably very often would have more than one shepherd with a flock of sheep, and all of the sheep are drinking from the water. Well, what happens when it's time for one of the shepherds to leave? How do you tell your sheep apart? They, they didn't tag them, they didn't brand them, they didn't mark them any way like that. So that would seem to present a problem. But you know how the shepherd separated his sheep? He just called them. He called them with his voice. And the one thing that sheep can do is recognize the voice of their shepherd. And so there would be a mass of sheep around this watering source. And when the shepherd was ready to leave, he would simply call out to his sheep. And they would hear his voice and they would follow him. So there's a real simple question, the title of our sermon today. Who's your shepherd? And the way you answer the question, who's your shepherd, is to answer the question, who are you following? Who are you following? Who are you listening to? And let me tell you something that's very true that we have to understand before before we walk through this psalm. Jesus is not your shepherd because you come to church. And Jesus is not your shepherd because your parents went to church or your grandparents went to church or because they were Christians. And it's not because you're a church member. It's not because you do good things. It's not because you sing songs about the shepherd. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They listen and they follow. And here's the truth. Everybody has a shepherd. We're all being led by someone or something, but there is only one good shepherd. Think about it. We're all being led by something. We are all following after something. It could be ourselves. It could be our careers, it could be our families, it could be our relationships. But what are you chasing? What are you following after? Who are you listening to? Whoever that is and whatever that is, that's what is shepherding you. But I hope that as we continue through this, I hope that you come to realize that Jesus is your shepherd, and you'll know that he's your shepherd because that's who you hear and that's who you follow.